Hello everybody, this is Dylan, we are some nobodies, I'm here with Zach, and we're the only two here right now, just due to schedule stuff, and you are listening to Some Nobodies Review Lovecraft Country. Today we're talking about episode f- four, mm-hmm. History of Violence. Yeah, Zach, you want to read the synopsis for the folks listening? Oh yeah, directed by Victoria Mahoney and David Petrarca. After Christina mysteriously shows up at her doorstep, Letty confronts Atticus about his plan to surreptitiously return to Florida. Later, in search of missing parts to a crucial text, Letty, Tick, and Montrose head to Boston with Hippolyta and Diana, played by Jada Harris, along for the ride. Back in Chicago, a handsome stranger nurses Ruby's disappointment over a squandered job opportunity. Um, what did you think? History of Violence. What, what I enjoyed it immensely. Yeah. Uh, it was a nice little adventure story. Yeah. Kind of very self-contained, a lot of neat genre elements to it, which I, I, I talk about it a fair amount. Yeah. But it's portraying them really fun. Yeah, this was definitely a new style of genre for this show, and one that I was not expecting to see. Um, I actually made my daughter watch this. She hasn't watched any of the other episodes so far, so I made her watch this one, and she's like, what is this going to be like? Oh, nothing serious. I'm like, it's a lot of horror. Mm-hmm. So we played this one. At the end, she's like, that wasn't very horror. I'm no. like, well, no, not this one. Uh, it was like a really cool Indiana Jones-style adventure. It's, I, it's a dungeon delve, yeah, kind of. It's like I had a lot of fun school, with it. Old school traps and a swinging blade, like a swinging axe blade. Yeah, just a pendulum. Magic door. Yeah. Uh, rising water. Hidden tunnels. The thing that really caught me the most was, at one point, the soundtrack shifts, and it goes to a very, like, 50s-slash-80s-style adventure theme, and I'm like, this is a really weird score to put in there. But what I did notice, too, was that there's these sweeping, like, shots. Like, it would start from far away, and then sweep very close, and then pass the heroes, exactly like an action movie would do, like you see in Aquaman or something. This was the first of the, of the show to have a separate director than the other three. Yeah. Yeah, your lights are being weird. I think your apartment might be haunted. Maybe. We've been we're, talking about ghosts a lot, so a lot maybe of, we're waking them up. A lot of ghosts. Um, but there are multiple times where the camera moves far more than it did previously. Uh, when Letty enters the library, it does a very strange pan. Yeah. Uh, when in the hub, like in the hub of the... The museum? Museum. Yeah. With Montrose, it does some... F- camera sport yeah. and things like that. A lot of real like, yeah. panning and uh, weird lingerings on certain things. Some fun cinematography. I could tell pretty quickly it was a different director. It had like a slightly different feel but mm-hmm. still, like it definitely felt still part of the universe, which yeah. is cool. Um, okay, so it obviously opens with Montrose drunk. Um, he's looking at some pictures, he's rifling through some stuff and then it ends on a book. It is the codified laws of the Order of the New Dawn, Golden the Ancient Dawn. Dawn, Ancient Dawn, Orders of the Ancient Dawn. Yeah, and it's their it's their bylaws. Yeah, and he's stuck on a part that says Adam named Eve, eft, God brought forth monsters, God smites Eve, and then that's pretty mm-hmm. much it. Which is like that's a weird way to start, but okay. It's an interesting. Uh, it's an interesting account of a sort of Gnostic style of Genesis. Yeah. So he decides to burn the book, though. He does. He uh, throws a little bit of alcohol on it, and he burns it, and he just stands there for a little Smells bit. Smells like Tulsa. Yeah, which yeah. was, you know, which after watching Watchmen, I know a lot about, about that. The Tulsa, race, the Tulsa Massacre and that sort of thing, yeah. Yeah, it's just weird to think that that, the smell of a burning book reminded him of a, a race it war. It would be relatively it. fresh for him, too. I think Tulsa was 1920s. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, 30 years, but still. he's al- He was alive back then. He was yeah. probably, he's old enough that it would be a formative moment of his youth. Yeah. And then the logo comes, 
and this time it's a purple skull yep. with a little compass in the bottom. Yeah. And that's what lets me know, like, oh, they're on a quest for something. Yeah. This is going to be a bit of an adventure. And being that it wasn't, it was a bigger skull, I was like, this is going to be more of a full encompassing story mm -hmm. that is going to be itself. Um, the next thing you see is Christina in a silver sedan driving all crazy. She's weaving in and out of traffic. The soundtrack in the first half of this episode is pretty anachronistic. It's playing a lot of, uh, it's playing Bitch Better Have My Money by Rihanna. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I was, I was a fan. Yeah, That's fun. a great theme for Christina too. Um, especially, especially what she's doing. Exactly, I was going to say. Especially where she's, she's going to see Letty about the money she gave for the house. Well, well not, not quite. really. Not quite. It seems like she's there to talk to the old man. The old man who they killed yeah. and she doesn't know that. And when she gets there, Letty answers the door, and it. She knows that Letty owns the house, yeah. but oh, she doesn't know that uh, Letty exercised his ghost, and she yeah. also doesn't know that she can't enter the house. Yeah, which I thought was very, was very cool. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to see these characters kind of start turning that to their advantage. Yeah, and yeah. I like that. And that was a big point. Oh, of this yeah. was Tick is like, let's try to find our own magic yeah. so we can fight some of this stuff. So yeah, so after Christina is at the house, she's looking for the old dead man, and then we cut to uh, Hippolyta. And she's talking about the orrery. Yeah, she has it with her in the shop. Yeah, and we find out through some events later that she stole it. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know if you remember this, but that was one of my hypotheses. Yeah. Because it wasn't in that scene later. Yeah. And we at first we thought, it's a ghost room, I ghost house. magic. No, no, she straight up she stole this it. thing. And we also learned that it is not our solar system. Right. It has two suns, yeah. a lot of planets. And she's talking to her dad on the phone and... She mentions that it's a twin son, and the dad mentions that's very similar to Dee's mm -hmm. comic that she's writing. Yeah. Which is interesting. There's something there. Yeah, especially when you find out... Well, we'll get to that later. And then there's that cool... Uh, I guess that guy that who uh, Hippolyta works with. I'm not sure who that guy was, but he walks up to her and is like, what do you got here? Yeah. Uh, and he gives that cool quote where it's like, hey, everything that's locked has its key. Mm -hmm. Which is... We'll find it. Yep, that's something. Uh, then we cut to the Southside Colored Library, yeah. and Letty marches right in and goes right to the back looking for Tick, and it's a very funny scene. Yeah. And and this is one of the first scenes where I notice that they're doing that action rom-com stuff, where it's weird, goofy, comedic things so that you can get to the action. The kids shushing them constantly. A lot of things. Yeah. Like when she walks, if you notice, she walks right in, she goes right to the back, mm -hmm. and then Tick walks up to the front, and then she walks, she storms right back to where Tick yeah. was. She went the wrong way, then the kid, she gets shushed a lot. Um, that's when Tick tells her that he tried to shoot Christina. Yes. Because Christina found yeah. that out through and the And he's doing research into that whole story. Yeah. And she gives him a bit of a, a bit of a talking down to, like, what, you think your dad didn't do this research? You think Montrose didn't do this? And he goes, she leaves. And then he looks at all of the, the library cards and the, the checkout cards in the back yep. of the books, and it's all Montrose Freeman. Montrose yeah. Freeman. And he kind of goes, shit. Yeah. And follows her. So now he knows that his dad has all the information that yeah. he's about to have or just has. Then it cuts to the bar and Tick meets Montrose and Letty in the back. And through their conversation, you can tell that Montrose has a lot of information that he has not told people. He knows people. far more than he's letting on. He knows that there's 34 lodges instead of a one that Tick initially thought there was. And you can tell that it's starting to drive a bit of a, a wedge in the trust of Tick and his dad. You see that you see that they definitely have a difficult relationship. Yeah. yeah by far. It and is not even though they rescued him, he is not necessarily acting like it. No, and it's really hard to tell where his motives are. Um but this is this is one of those scenes I told you about when the when the soundtrack kicks in and it plays a very weird note 
and it lingers on this note, and I'm like, what an odd mm-hmm. note to put here based on the, the soundtrack that we've been you know, shown so far. Then we cut to Christina playing tag with some kids, which is a really, a really weird scene. Well, Letty first tells Montrose, tells him off as well, says, I see where Tick gets it. But Letty calls Montrose an asshole, says she understands where Tick gets it, and mm-hmm. then accuses him of knowing effectively the answers to all the questions they're currently looking for. Oh, yep. And then shames him into effectively sharing them. Yeah, and he knows exactly where the vault yeah. is. Yeah. So, <laughs> I'm not sure what his game is. I think he's just overprotective in a toxic way. See, I would think that until the very end, and we're going to get to that soon. That's true. Um, okay, so yeah, that's when we cut to Christina playing tag with some kids, which is a very weird scene, and then some cops show up yeah. and just straight up escort her away Yeah. and take her right to... The chief. A hidden room. If you look yeah. at the dynamics of that room, it's it's a secret door mm-hmm. on both sides, and it's the chief who was uh, interrogating yeah. Letty last episode. So he, he lets her know that he's also looking for the stolen pages and really just dresses her down because mm-hmm. she's a woman. Yeah. And he uses the C word, which is yeah. not cool. It's pretty nasty. Yeah. Not the nastiest word in this episode or the series. No. Then we're going to cut back to Letty packing, and then there's another one of these action rom-com scenes where Tick's trying to put the bags in, Letty wants to pack it her yeah. way, and there's the in and out. And it's almost like that 80s-style sexual tension. Yeah. You know, it's it's very fun what they're doing with this episode. It's, it's similar to Indiana Jones, the style that he and Marion Ravenwood interact in, where they're kind of a little antagonistic, but it's very clearly... Yeah, good-hearted. It's, it's that, but if you remember the Mummy, it has that kind of mm-hmm. vibe to it. If you remember National Treasure, it has that kind of vibe where like they're both intelligent, they both have knowledge, but there is a tension because they're mm-hmm. both attractive, you know. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, then they all head to the museum together, which I was questioning the motives of Montrose mm-hmm. and Hippolyta in this scene. Sure. Now. Knowing that there's trust issues with Montrose, did you think him asking Hippolyta to go to this museum was on purpose, or do you take what his excuse was, which was, we need to take her car, we got to tell her where we're going? Um, It didn't really cross my mind either way, because she doesn't play into their adventure very much later on. No, but then the very next thing you see is that man from the party last week. Yeah, he's there. And Hippolyta yeah. decides to let him ride along. Mm-hmm. Now, I think that she's so wary of their plan that she's trying to block their plan. I I wouldn't be surprised if she is acting on the memory of George dying in a similar circumstance as to where they're doing now. Yeah. And she's acting on impulse to, like, have some influence on it maybe this time. Hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. I'm excited to see where where she goes Mm because she she seems quickly after this episode that Hippolyta's a bigger part of the something, story. She has something at play. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then we get the thirsty dude. Yeah. Just, just more of this, this comedic relief in, in classic action movies. Uh, trying to be Tick's foil for her affection, and she is not interested at all in yeah. him. Yeah. And then she accuses him. She calls him out on, well, I mean, apparently we fucked in high school, so yeah. I remember. The, she's, she's very clearly aware that he was... Fluffing the story, yeah, a little bit, yeah. Which I'm I like. I liked her calling him out on that. Oh, absolutely. I'm not sure about his character or why it's in this. So it, I think he's supposed to serve as kind of a foil for Tick. I would, but it's it's I ineffective. Would, I would think that if there was a scene in here where that served that, 
the only scenes that he's in are comedic scenes that have no value. Where he is expounding on a previous relationship with Letty. That doesn't really exist, no. apparently. So, And people are just talking around him. and uh, it, it's, it's, it's odd that he's in this. Then we go to Ruby at the department store. And she has her resume in the hand. Mm -hmm. And that's when she sees the other employee. Yeah. A new employee who's another African-American employee. And... She breaks. She, she interrogates her a little bit. Yeah, but in a very weird way. She yeah. breaks emotionally and then kind yeah. of lies to her about what she's doing. And you realize that she's upset because she doesn't oh, yeah. think that this company will hire two black women. Yeah. Um, she she thinks she missed her chance. Yeah. And that was an upsetting scene for Ruby. It was rough. Then we go back to the museum. And the team's now splitting up. Dee and Hippolyta are going off to their thing. And then the heroes are doing their thing. We go to, I guess, the planetarium part of the museum. Yeah. And there's that cool conversation about Hera's mm -hmm. chariot. Yeah. Which, another bit of whitewashing where they wouldn't even let a young girl because she's black They didn't want a black girl being the face of their contest. Right. So that's stupid. But I thought that was a very interesting. she calls scene. out, you know, hey, my mom named that. And my mom, Everybody's yeah. like, oh, cool. Yeah. And she, now well, they know that. Now they know that. Yeah. And Hera's chariot, great name. Oh, yeah. Then we're back to um, Seymour's talking to some crap. Uh, he's just talking something to Tick, while Tick is just kind of looking past him, looking all around, and that's when he notices the two crocodiles. We uh, see we see a statue of Titus. I think so. It's the Explorer. I think it's Titus Braithwaite. I would assume because of everything yeah. this room was. And it seems to be focused on his expeditions, mm -hmm. and there's a long moment where, because it's the 50s, they show a bunch of stuff taken from like African communities and civilizations, and it's like... And yes, he returned from the land, the dark continent where the savages were. Yeah. And there he ta is... taught them the new ways. Yeah. Yeah. And it has, like, masks, tribal masks and that sort of thing. There's a map of his expeditions, and did you see where he went? No. So, he f mostly was out of Boston. He stops somewhere on the Cape of okay. Africa. And then there's a line going far south. Which, if he landed in Antarctica, that might be a Lovecraft reference because one of Lovecraft's more famous works is about a city of ancient, like, alien gods buried under Antarctica. And I'm wondering if they're oh. going to bring that in in the future. Mm, yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Then we're back at Christina. She's getting home. She drives home, and you can see there's two guys outside. And then as soon as she walks in the house, her dude comes out. Uh, the other white-haired white person. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. I forget his name. Uh, Jared. Uh, <laughs> I have no sure. idea. Yeah. Kevin. So he, Kevin, yeah. Good, that's a good name. So he walks out, and he just beats the crap out of the two dudes. Yeah. That, And he's like, she doesn't want to be followed anymore. Yeah. Which is cool. And then he leaves with... I, I think his name is William. William? I think his name is William, based on next episode's synopsis. Oh, okay. They're trying to find an entrance into this vault, and they're yeah. not quite sure where it is, and then... Montrose notices that the moon is high. Yeah, Pauls. Before then, yes. Montrose has his friend that works in the museum that lets them in yes. afterwards. And there's a little bit of conversation whether that's truthful or not. Do you, do you have any suspicions? Seymour specifically is talking to Tick about Montrose's relationship with another man. Yeah, who I didn't recognize the reference. And Tick is... Tick shuts it down. Yeah. And I'm wondering... I don't know if there was supposed to be an implied, like potential homosexual thing. Ooh. I, because I, Seymour I seems like he's trying to shame Tick into, by reference to Montrose's relationship. Yeah, that's Admittedly. true. Admittedly. 
I thought so because yeah. they make there's a reference to that in the first episode, and then I, Seymour seemed to be talking in a way that it was implying that Montrose was how they would in the 50s that's sort yeah. thing oh yeah I might need to go back and rewatch it I might I have been really misinterpreting it I was just I was thinking that was more uh, fuel for the we can't trust him which I, I guess I don't know why Seam- I don't know why Seam- I don't know why his character's that. here because so the, far the first time I remember seeing him was the party the party yeah okay where he's just he's just throwing fuel in a fire all he does is say we used to tussle yeah which was a lie which was a lie right so it seems weird to have him calling Montrose out for being untrustworthy when we haven't seen him as a character very much. I mean, true. I can't fight that. I'm just saying, I don't I, understand why his character's there. Well, right. Me, and he has knowledge on Montrose. Yeah. Which well, is, that's what I'm, I'm agreeing with you. It's yeah. like, he seems so far to have not been introduced properly. Yeah. And then, yeah, he has this info. Yeah. Supposed to, I don't feel like we should take it seriously. Yeah, I just, I just don't like the guy. But yeah. then, so... Yeah, so you, Montrose sees the moonlight, tells her about turns the flashlights off, and that's when you get one of those 80s scenes where immediately the moonlight comes in oh, at the right time, it, it, and it hits <laughs> it hits a part of the snake, which and then it bounces the, off the, the map, and it hits which the map. goes to the crocodile's tooth, yep. and Letty touches it, and the door opens. Um, I'm magic. I assumed it was just a magical lens of some sort. Sure. Yeah. At um, this point... The door opens, and it's just a rope dangling. Yep. So Tick goes down it's a, there. It's a new-looking rope, and I'm wondering if someone hasn't visited down there already recently. Well, there was another clue later on. I was wondering if you picked up on this. Um, but, yeah, so the rope's there. Tick goes down there, and he noticed that there's three distinct paths down mm-hmm. there. And through some looking around, he, like, wipes off the ground and sees the compass or whatever. And he makes the reference that it's probably due to his explorations, and that they need the map. Yeah. So Letty just smashes the, the mat, or smashes the glass, <laughs> yeah. and throws the mat down there, and then they all come down there. Which I was wondering why Montrose went down there. I felt like he should stay up there as like a lookout or something. But uh, I mean, later future, on, obviously, future you know, events. Yeah. Um, so Letty and Montrose decide to go one way based on their knowledge of mm-hmm. some things, and Tick is hesitant. Adventure novel logic. Yeah, is what he says. Now, did you notice what Tick notices and why he's suspicious? The lamp? The lamp. There are, in all three of the pathways, yeah. two lamps are there, one's not there, mm-hmm. which would make me think that somebody took the lamp to go down the right path. Yeah. But and I guess... wind up coming back. But I guess we do know that they're on the right path, because they We go. don't know where the other ones go. That's true. We don't know if they circle around or not. But well, we do know that one goes to Chicago. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then we cut to Ruby singing at the bar, and she's singing a pretty sad song. Yeah. But she's doing a great job. She is actually... It, her fingers match up with what she's playing. Yeah. Yeah. I think, she's, is, yeah, I she's, think she might actually be playing guitar. She's that, doing it, actress. and that's great. She's she's so far a great actor. There's not a bad actor in the nah. show. Um, so once she gets done her song, nobody really claps for her. Nobody's into it. And she's like, well, F you guys. <laughs> Fuck you guys. Yeah. So then she walks over to the bar, and she wants her drink. There's kind of talk that she doesn't have a lot of money, mm-hmm. and the bartender's like, oh, this dude down here, mm-hmm. he's going to pay your tab. And then camera focus shift, and it is William. It's Jared Christina's Gabe. Christina's dude. William. Yeah, so... I'm pretty sure it's William. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you're right. <laughs> I'm sure you're right. Then they start talking for a little bit, and... Start sh- gently flirting. Yeah, and you can get the feeling that she thinks that he's trying to hook up with her just because mm-hmm. she's black. We cut back to our heroes, and they're in a tunnel... 
and they've been walking for like 20 minutes in this tunnel. Yeah. Which, thinking about that, that's a long time. That's, that's like long two time. miles. Yeah. So then they get to the longest wooden plank I've ever seen. Oh yeah. In any movie ever. This is a this is a magic. This is a magic area. Yeah. This is I mean straight up as we as we see later on it is explicitly magical. Yeah. Did you get the feel of Indiana Jones 3 when he throws the sand on the, that on the that? secret or the leap of faith? Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. So then there's a little bit of a conversation uh, about who goes. Letty's going to go first. So then they tie her up with this special knot. Yeah. And then, <laughs> yeah. And then this lengthy lie. Yeah. It's cute. It, 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 yeah, but she's out there, isn't she? Yeah. I loved all that. Free men, the free men were never slaves. Yeah, but she's out she's there. She's out there, she? yeah. It's so great. Yeah, it's great. So she goes out and they're holding the rope and then she just disappears. And you get kind of a feeling that she falls off or something. Mm-hmm. And when Chick just runs out there, it turns out that it's a booby trap. It's a swinging axe blade. It's just a huge pendulum. Classic. Yeah. So great. <laughs> oh, Haven't man. seen those since the 80s, I don't think. And then... Um, so then we go back to Montrose, mm-hmm. and the plank just starts disappearing It starts dis- like disintegrating. Dissolving, yeah. But it does not fall. Like, it's it's yeah. pretty clearly a magical thing. It's just disintegrating. Thing. And so t- <laughs> Tick has to run back to help yeah. him, and then they all catch up to Letty, and then that's when I was like, this is the mummy. Mm-hmm. We're in the mummy yeah. again. And there's like, you know, they're doing the timing thing right. They run to the very end, and then there's another puzzle. It's a door with a sequence of relief carvings. Right. Which now you this have to one, press in a certain sequence. This one, I didn't buy as fast, because... I, did you look at the symbols on this thing? I didn't pause them, but I was paying attention to yeah, them. Yeah, it's kind of hard to, to tell what sure. they are. And quickly, they know what the symbols mean, mm-hmm. and what the thing is. Yeah. Whatever. They get through the door, and then there's a bunch of... They just step in some water. And yeah. through a little bit of conversation, that's when Tick tells the mystery in the beginning, where it's like, oh, three hours after moonset, that's when the flood's going to... It's gonna, a tide tunnel. The tide <laughs> tunnel, right. So they're, they, have, they have about three hours until they drown. Yeah. From the moonset. Um, so now we have a little bit of a ticking clock. We're going to go back to Ruby, who's still chatting with White Dude, mm-hmm. and... First, it's about the job and how there's three employees and not going to hire two black women. And then it slowly gets down to they're flirting. Oh, yeah. And they're going to get it on. They're flirting hard. They're going to get it Mm -hmm. on. So then they just go and they just start, like, hooking up immediately. On the stairs. Well. No, I'm I'm just Yeah, I know. Maybe so angry. about it. But first, they uh, she she falls on this like table thing and she yeah. breaks something and she has got a little bit of blood. She cuts and, her hand. Yeah, and white dude. He is into it. He's so into it, and he just starts lapping it up. Mm-hmm. That's when he kind of puts her on the stairs. Yeah. And I mean, gently, not like throws her on her. No. Um, and History they violences her. And they do it mm-hmm. on the stairs. Yeah, they do. And once again, just like History of Violence, that's what this is called. History of Violence. Yeah. Ew. Did you not make that connection? I connected. I was like, this is. As uncomfortable as the scene in History of Violence, <laughs> but I did not connect to those two things. Oh man, that's, that's crazy! He takes uh, his shirt off and he has a yeah, like devil's a, head or a bull's head scarred on his chest. Yeah, some kind of ritual horn, scars. Some kind of horned animal scarred. It's ritual scars. If you look, it looks like a knife blade was used to nick individual yeah. lines. It's like crazy, a, and she oh. has no problem with it. Oh. because they just keep doing it. Yeah, he takes off it. her. He takes off her dress. So swiftly. Did you see that movie? Uh, it's pretty quick. He's like, and just the whole thing went you know, off. They say that each each one of them got one spell in their lifetime. His is the ability to just get a woman's clothes off take really the, quick. Take that dress off. So we go back to the heroes. 
Tick is angry with Montrose about the information and the lack of trust again. And that's when he tells everyone that George gave him the book of the bylaws mm-hmm. and that he read it and that he just and burned he it. And he burned it. Yep. To protect the family. To protect the family. Allegedly. So Letty walks off while they're still fighting. And now the, the water's up to like their waist, almost mm-hmm. their chest level. And she just passed the, uh, just a floating body. Yeah. And she's very quick that she recognized this body as one of the bodies from her basement. Yeah. And that's when you realize, like, how can Chicago... I assumed Magic Tunnel. I assumed... Uh, you Warhol always assume Magic Tunnel. In this show specifically, yeah. it makes sense. It's probably Magic Tunnel. So she and she pushed the dead body past, and they, and they find the elevator mm-hmm. that looks just like the elevator in her house. I'm kinda. surprised no one... I'm surprised they didn't immediately make that connection. Yeah, but, but they went down the hole in Boston, so... That's true. It's kind of... I mean, whatever. They realize that that's the way out somehow. And, it's an elevator. And t- <laughs> well, no, in the event of an emergency, you're never supposed to take the elevator. No, you go down the, the flood tunnel. The stairs. Right. So, Tick wants to put Montrose and Letty in the elevator, and that's when Letty's like, look, this isn't... Not everything's about you. You haven't done anything. Yeah, he hasn't <laughs> done nothing. Yeah. Oh, well, there was that cute conversation that Montrose has about Tick's mom. Oh, yeah. And that thing where you gotta find your love song. You gotta find... Sing your song, because that's, yeah. that's all the worrying is. It's just that's love. It. It's just love, and it's, once, yeah, once you're nice... done with your song, the worrying's kind of yeah. over. I thought that was a really cute moment. I did think it's interesting. It's like, hey, if she's mad at you for something, just sing her something. Just don't pay attention. She'll get over it. Don't pay attention to her. Sing your song. Sing wait your her song. out. Wait her out. <laughs> then you can love her I again. don't know that that's exactly uh, the best advice for right. relationships. Maybe in the 50s it worked out. Yeah, it seemed to be fine. I mean, obviously, Montrose and Tick's mom something. were not together. So. Mm. <laughs> Uh, that's I mean, when Letty I think finds. She's dead. Yeah, that's when Letty finds the other door, and it just has an arm hanging out of it. It has a, a very well preserved arm. A ripped off arm underwater. Yeah. It, I'm assuming that was a fresh arm, and I'm assuming that plays into the fact that this tunnel was previously explored recently. Yeah, and when Tick pulled that arm out, there was a ring on the finger. Yeah. And I was surprised they didn't they take didn't, it. They didn't take it. I know. I was like, take that ring. I'm. Yeah. Like I noticed that it was a. So the thing about water and decomposition of human bodies yeah water accelerates it dramatically yeah uh so that arm should have been way meaner than it looked assuming it wasn't from a few hours ago now do you think that other tunnel that didn't have the lamp on it do you think that was that person i don't know i wonder if those other tunnels don't lead to other similar vaults because what if that other tunnel just gets you past that uh the log thing the the wooden plank void yeah. Could, it could. I assume that they lead to vaults in other parts of the country. Oh, that's fair. Tick pulls it out. He puts on his ring. Yeah. And then he jams his hand in there. Uh, the thing puts like a little syringe out or yeah. whatever, and it takes some blood. It jabs him. Yeah. The blood goes up, and it fills up these little squares on yeah. top of the it's thing. It's a blood door. It's yeah. great. Classic blood door. And you know it. You love it. <laughs> <laughs> then it lets his arm free, and then just this door opens up in the ceiling. They go up into his room, and it's just full of mummified people. It looks like the galley and, like, crew quarters to a, to a ship. Yeah. To a sailing ship. But it also looked like the people that were there were Native American? Yeah. Yeah. They definitely were. Well, yeah. As well, we see. Well, at least the one they talked to. But um, as they're walking through, it's there's, like, a woman breastfeeding, and everybody's yeah. mummified. And I don't understand how this happened. But they go back, and they find the scroll, and the scroll is in the dead hand of another mummy. Mm-hmm. And as they go to grab it, 
this mummy just starts creaking and it's slowly a good res- like restoration not bad scene yeah, it, it goes, looks really good goes from mummy to a full formed human that has boobs and a penis yeah and two spirit it was a two spirit yeah named Yakima Marok Yakima Maracote Yakima Maracote um for for those who don't know like a two spirit it's um a recent term that entered into use for an indigenous First Nations, however you want to call it, um, third gender societal role. It's very cultural to Native Americans. And it is specifically not... It is specifically not intersex or LGBT. Right. It's like a cultural role that is intersex or third gender. Right. And she... If you have the, the subtitles on, she speaks... In Arawak. Yes. Which is a South American native, mm-hmm. native uh, tribe. She tells the story of how Titus and some other white dudes lied to her, and then she tricked them and killed them all by trapping herself yeah. in this thing, um, which was that uh, the mummified state. She goes on to tell them that she won't help them because she doesn't recognize t- uh, Tick's soul or something. Yeah. So I'm curious about that. Me too. But... Either way, they go to take the scroll. That's when glass in his back wall starts breaking. And they does all... It, does it just start randomly breaking? Or... It's once they... They take the scroll and it... Yeah, then the windows start cracking. Alright. That's what I remember. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was just making sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure once they touch it, the, the windows are cracking. They yeah. look at that. And then they all start running because water rushes in. Yes. <laughs> water. It's a pretty good. It's a pretty good uh, flooding scene. Yeah, it's not a bad flood. Got a lot of force to it. Tick grabs Yakima, and they all head to the elevator. Now they're in the elevator, and the scroll somehow gets away, which yeah. I whatever. And Letty has to go get it in this almost climactic scene. I yeah. really think they should have got rid of that scene because um, when you watch it again, you can see the surface of the water is right above her the whole time. Yeah. So it doesn't really. Ah, whatever. It's fine. So she gets back it's to the catalyst for what immediately follows. I guess so. So they get back in the elevator. Uh, it goes up, and Tick grabs Letty and just gives her yeah, a real smooch. A little romantic. The first emotion that he has shown her, or really anyone. It's it's a very sincere kiss between the two of them. Yeah, he is relieved. Yeah, that she's alive and she saved the day again. Yeah. Yes. That gets interrupted by Yakima letting out this wail. Uh, it is a sh- it is a shriek. A shriek. It's a magical shriek. And the only way they can think to stop her, it tick punches her face, punches her <laughs> face. <laughs> knocks her right out. Um, oh man! Then we go to <clears throat> D and Hippolyta, and they're uh, they're talking about how the heroes have gotten all the way to Chicago already, yeah. which means that they have communicated somehow. Cell phones. In the fifties. I don't see why not. Yes, you do. Mm, magic. <laughs> oh, okay, I'll give you magic, but cell phones are stupid. That's when uh, Hippolyta sees that D is working on the Atlas, George's yeah. old Atlas, and she looks at the Atlas and sees Devon County, and then she kind of clicks a couple things and realizes mm-hmm. she's going to turn around and go get some answers. What do you think she's going to find there? A fully assembled mansion. Oh, yeah? Oh, I think cool. the mansion's going to be back. Do you think she's going to find something with the Ori in, Ori in there? Oh, that's possible. Yeah, I, I won't. I don't. I doubt she has it with her. But if she had brought the orrery with her, it could have some sort of thing. Yeah. I wonder if they're gonna run into monsters. Oh, man, they I hope show so. up and they don't remember anything. I need more monsters. Um, we go back to Lady's house, and Yakima is telling Tick that she's a siren. She was turned into a siren by a braith by a braithwhite spell. Yeah. So she couldn't speak outside of that so area. If, she was yeah. In. So if she ever gets taken out of there, she can't help. Yeah. 
Nasty spell. It's mean. They don't know how to break the spell, but they got the pages and that's good enough. Yeah. They kind of talk about how they're going to teach her English yeah. so that she can tell them without them having to break the code first. Just too. have her write something down. Yeah. I think this was how... I think that's how they found that she was a siren. I think so. Yeah. I would assume. I would assume so. But well. whatever. But she doesn't speak English, so she's not going to write in English. Um, Montrose has this little heart-to-heart with Tick, and he tells him that he's a brave and a good man, and that his mom would have been proud. Uh, Tick walks off. Montrose walks into the room with yeah. Yakima, and once he stood behind her, I knew exactly oh, what was going on. Yeah. But it's a pretty graphic. He says he says something. He he pretty much says like I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and then he just slices her throat. Slits her throat. Pretty roll, brutally. Roll credits. And then cut to black. Yeah. What? That's what makes me think that he's maybe not working for the family's best best interest anymore. I think he's working for. I think he has. So we're going into. I think he is going to attempt to take the power and do a full like. We've been stepped on for so long. Now it's time to. I think he's going to go full like utilize magic to reverse the status quo. Yeah. Now, do you know anything about the Ori outside of this episode? No. Now, I do know because doing Instagram stuff and research mm-hmm. that it is considered the key to a time travel machine. In the story? In this in the show. Oh. So this show it that is the spoilers. Key. Well, I don't. I don't know if that's real or not. Oh, because I, I, don't, okay. I haven't seen anything else. Sure, it's just that's what people are like saying. That's okay. like that's a little bit of the interesting. Yeah, I'm All not right. sure where I read that or why I think that. Okay, but then you start putting time travel in there. Yeah, then you know that D's kind of creating this alternate universe, which has an Ori that matches that. Yeah. So speculation stuff coming down the line. Yeah, some weird stuff. <sighs> yeah. What a good episode. It was a good one. Yeah, I really had a lot of fun with this. They're covering a lot of genre ground. like. Yeah, and I was talking to you before we started recording, and um, when it hit me that this was a an Indiana Jones-style story, I searched back in my memory banks, and I could not think of an action movie like this, or like The Mummy, or like National Treasure, that had a black star. Normally, because those movies are predicated on the idea of a white person tomb raiding yeah. an indigenous culture's cultural site right which makes me think such bad things about that style of movie now yeah but either way i am in love with the show it's it's been hit for hit four in a row now yeah i say i dipped a little bit on on episode two slightly i know you liked it i didn't really view it as a two-parter at first once i did i'm like okay i get it i was surprised at the pacing yeah but now it's making sense that that those first two are definitely the inciting incident for everything i completely agree um, so, next week, episode five, <clears throat> Strange Case. Yes. You want to go ahead and read this? I, the synopsis for Strange Case. New director. New director, directed by Cheryl Dunyer. Yeah. Dunyer? Dunyer, yeah. Dunya. Dunya. Dunyer West. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, synopsis. After making a devil's bargain with William, Ruby steps into the charmed shoes of a white woman, but her transformation only fortifies her resentment of the racial divide. A betrayal by Montrose unleashes Atticus's pent-up rage, leaving Letty deeply disturbed and sending Montrose into the comforting arms of his secret lover. Ooh. Yeah. So Ruby's going to do a body swap. Yeah. Into a white into body. Into a white woman. That's going to be... That's going to really piss her off. Oh, she's going to be furious. Furious. And then, I suspect, she's also going to want to get in on the magic and be like, hey, let me, let me, let me see what this is about. Now, Montrose being thrown into the uh, comforting arms of a secret lover. He's a gay man. You think so? I think so. 
Do you think we know his lover? Have we met his lover? It might be that guy that Tick confronted in the first episode when he first goes to the bar and he goes, Sammy? I used to pull you off those stools when you were a kid. And he knew his dad too. Yeah. So that makes sense. I and think we knew that guy's gay. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, cool. All right. <sighs> I'm excited for this next episode. It's been going well. Cool. Do you want to uh, wrap things up? Yeah, sure. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening. We are some nobodies. My name is Dylan. I'm this Zach. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was talking over you. Well, I got this is out. Zach. This is Zach. I'm Dylan. We are some nobodies. Um, you might hear from some other ones in here, assuming if we get some interject- interjection clips. Or not. They'll be on future episodes, probably. Uh, we appreciate you checking us out here. You can also find our work, Silicon Angels, Sci-Fi Comedy, Serial, Season 1 is Complete, The Podcast Podcast Show... Wait, no. The Podcast Podcast. A podcast show where Zach and I review podcasts... Talking Upstream, Sunday afternoons, 2.30 Mountain Time, 4.30 Eastern Time, where Zach and I do a writer's room and we develop ideas, and some other stuff coming down the pipe. You can find everything at somenobodies.com, Patreon. Yeah, and if you want to help support anything that we're doing, or this show, multiple shows that Dylan just mentioned, you can head over to www.patreon.com backslash somenobodies. We would love that. Again, my name is Dylan. You can find me online at Vorpal Words. And I'm Zach. You can find me everywhere at Noah Body. Thanks for listening. Bye. (laughs) Fortress funny. You have an invitation to do whatever you want. If a butterfly lives a full life before it dies, then a caterpillar emerges from the same cells, yet different. Magic exists. Does that scare you? Who are you really uninterrupted?